This is the Bartender Journey Podcast. It's the Bartender Journey Podcast number 194. My name is Brian Vincent Weber. Thanks for listening. This is the podcast that talks all about bartending and cocktails and spirits. Well, sorry I missed you all last week. It's uh, it's the holidays. There's a lot going on personally and professionally. Uh, lots of parties. I actually took off work on Saturday to do what I do at work, throw a party. Uh, but a fun time was had by all. And uh, I had some guests that brought some really nice bottles to my party, which was nice. So lots of holiday cheer and happy holidays to you if you're listening to this. As I record it, uh, just a few days before Christmas 2016. So uh, this week on the show... We continue with our adventures from Repeal Day. Uh, if you remember last uh, the, on the last podcast, we chatted with Karen Newman, author of Shake, Stir, Sip, and we spoke with her at the Swift Hiberian Lounge. From there, I moved over to the East Village to a bar called Miss Lily's and met up with Ben Jones, who just launched an interesting brand called Rum Shrub JM. And uh, we'll talk with Ben. Yeah, we're super excited. Um, we're launching jam shrub after that we moved downtown even further to the dead rabbit where jack daniel sponsored an event with uh, three bartenders from the uk so this is tennessee calling Uh, it's a competition that was launched by jack daniels in the uk it was open to scottish bartenders so they had over 100 entries the people who made the final 10 were visited in person by the judges and a, a, a top three were chosen, who are the people who are bartending with us tonight. That's our friend Rebecca Dooley, and we'll be talking to her again in a little bit, as well as uh, the bartenders. First, let's do a book of the week. It's a great one, really uh, one of my favorites that was released this year of 2016, as we're just at the end of 2016. And it's the Canon Cocktail Book by Jamie Boudreaux. Jamie's bar is Canon Whiskey and Bitters Emporium in Seattle, Washington, and he's put together this great book. It's not just recipes, although there's plenty in here. Uh, there's a really valuable section called Starting Your Own Bar Tips and Advice, and this section alone is worth the price of admission, uh, the price of the book, and talks about, uh, in, in this section, he talks about everything from are you sure you want to do this to finding partners, the name, the concept, locations, aesthetic considerations, and on and on. His bar is really Really cool. Uh, he there is no POS system. Everything's handwritten. There's no visible computers. There's no uh, technology uh, whatsoever. And uh, he says he does that so you're not reminded of work while you're out at the bar. So uh, that's that's a great concept. Uh, there's not even a phone in the bar. Uh, so you, if you really need to get in touch with them, you can email them. But uh, the computer is hidden in the back. So uh, as a guest, you don't see any uh, any technology and. Uh, uh, I think that's a great, great idea. So everything, his his bar, every piece of wood in his bar is stained with, would you believe, Angostura bitters. <laughs> How cool is that? I was hoping to get Jamie on the show, but uh, so far we haven't been able to schedule that or work it out. He's a very busy man, as he'll tell you in the book. Uh, he said the first year of owning a bar, he gave his schedule for the day. It started at 9 a.m. in the morning and ended at 3.30 in the morning. So uh, he's hopefully not quite that busy anymore now that the bar is uh, all established and all, but still he's a busy, busy man, hard to nail down. He's also involved in the Small Screen Network. If you haven't heard of that, check it out. Uh, 
Jamie has a channel on the Small Screen Network, and uh, there and his channel is called Raising the Bar. Uh, Morgan Thaler has a channel on there as well. Robert Hess and uh, a few others. So uh, that's something definitely worth checking out. Uh, the Small Screen Network. We'll put a little link up to it on the uh, the notes that go along with this show, number one ninety four. And uh, yeah, if you go to the podcast page or the main blog page on bartenderjourney.net on the upper right hand side if you're ever having a hard time finding uh, something I'm talking about there's a Google search bar that searches only uh, within bartenderjourney.net and you can find stuff so uh, if, you, if you're listening to this in the future and looking for the notes that go along with this particular show uh, just put in numbers 194 that'll find it or, uh, or pretty much anything else I'm talking about um, you'll, you'll be able to uh, find it uh, based on the Google search bar so uh, yeah honestly you want to get this book and it's the Canon Cocktail book. You won't regret it. Uh, the recipes are great as well, which leads us to Cocktail of the Week. And we'll do the Jungle Bird, uh, which he, he puts in his book. And uh, yeah, okay, as I record this, it's a holiday season. Uh, Christmas is just a few days away, and this is a classic tiki drink. But uh, the heck with it. I think it's a festive-looking drink, and I don't see any problem with serving it. I, I see no problem with serving it uh, the, at this time of year on the holidays. It's a festive-looking drink. Jungle Bird, one and a half ounce of rum. And you want to use um, a lot of a lot of people suggest a black strap rum. I've, I've made it that way and found it to be a little too heavy um, for me. And uh, But your choice of rum here is going to really make the drink. Uh, Jamie suggested a certain brand, uh, which actually I'm not familiar with. But um, uh, you're going to have to find a, uh, a rum that really balances out the drink. Uh, you want something pretty heavy, pretty dark, um, but uh, certainly certainly not. Uh, as I said, I, I found the uh, Blackstap rum just too much for this drink because the next ingredient is one and a half ounce of pineapple juice, which is uh, fairly um, heavy and sweet itself, right? So, But that's uh, nicely balanced out with three quarters an ounce Campari, so that makes uh, that, that bitterness will cut through the sweetness. Uh, and then we're going to do half an ounce of fresh lime juice, half an ounce of simple syrup, and we're going to shake that strain it. Uh, you can put that into um, a glass with crushed ice or uh, some kind of tiki glass or an old-fashioned glass, maybe with just one large ice cube, whatever suits your fancy. And then you could garnish with a pineapple leaf or a, or a pineapple wedge. Jungle Bird, I just love that name. Although I often say Tiki Bird by mistake. I hope I said it right before, earlier when I introduced the cocktail of the week. I think I did. <laughs> so it's the Jungle Bird and a uh, nice classic uh, tiki drink. Or in this case, holiday drink. Hey, garnish it with a candy cane. What the heck? I had to design a cocktail uh, this week for a, uh, a party at a um, very affluent uh, person's home uh, and they wanted a signature cocktail and uh, I didn't get a chance to actually attend the party or, or uh, work it but I designed the cocktail for it and apparently um, there's some quite expensive furniture and it's all very light colored so the <laughs> so the cocktail uh, the only thing that was demanded or specified about the cocktail was that it was completely clear so uh, I came up with a cocktail it worked out pretty well it was a um, clear plum brandy, some white creme de cacao, some uh, fresh lemon juice, 
a little bit of simple syrup. Uh, we serve that over ice with uh, seltzer or club soda on top. And uh, and we just we were thinking about doing some fancy garnish. We ended up just garnishing it with a little tiny candy cane, but uh, it worked out pretty well. And uh, apparently everybody enjoyed that cocktail. I think that was the first time I did a party and it was mandated that it had to be clear. Hey, I want to tell you about a cool event that's coming up January 24th, 2017. I wrote 16. No, it's 2017. Uh, it's in Hoboken. Our friend Craig Schiadello is uh, putting it on, and he's a, he's a great guy. He's very involved uh, in the USBG, and he's a listener to this show, and uh, he works at this place called The Shepherd and the Knucklehead of Hoboken. And he's uh, organized this event, and uh, I hope you'll come. It's, a, it's an industry party and educational event. There'll be three hours of classes, uh, three one-hour classes, that is, followed by a party afterwards. And uh, one of those three classes, by the way, will be taught by yours truly, me, and Hazel Elvarado. Uh, if you remember a few weeks ago, we did a show about personal branding for bartenders, and we're going to do that in a seminar form. This will be uh, my first time presenting at a seminar, and uh, we're excited. If you want to go back and listen to that one, you can get an idea of what we're going to talk about. There's a document that you can request uh, that goes along with that, a sort of a companion document, and we'll be putting that into PowerPoint. Oh, we may not do PowerPoint because there's no projector, but... Uh, <laughs> we'll figure that out anyway. Um, so uh, anyway, starting at 12 o'clock, there'll be a um, seminar by Brockman's Gin and then a presentation by Maletti uh, about uh, Amaro's and liqueurs. And the third seminar will be me and Hazel teaching the personal branding seminar. I just got a note from Craig, and uh, it's going to cost $0 to attend. How cool is that? Uh, but just, he says, just $0, but just a thank you, and remember to tip your bartenders. So uh, this is going to be a great event. And um, so after the three seminars, we're going to get into the party segment. But uh, listen to this. Each bartender gets to choose one spirit and be the only bartender to do so. By choosing their spirit, they are choosing to bartend for 30 minutes to showcase what they are capable of doing by crafting their favorite cocktail with that spirit. So how cool is that? You get to go behind the bar and uh, make some drinks. And that's really my favorite kind of event uh, when you actually, it's a hands-on and you get to go behind the bar and, and make drinks because we're bartenders, right? And that's what we like to do. So, uh, and uh, I suppose if you're uh, an enthusiast and you prefer not to do that, you, you're not required to, but you can still taste all the beverages, taste all the cocktails. So uh, Craig says uh, bartenders must bring lemon or lime juice or sugar syrups or uh, whatever mixers you want to use but he'll supply all the uh listed liquors uh, the uh sponsors have uh helped us out with that so that that segment of the uh event goes from 4 30 till 8 30 so we sure hope we'll see you there it's going to be a great time and remember it's going to be at the shepherd and the knucklehead of hoboken uh january 24th 2017 you'll have to reserve a ticket through event bright but it's uh, no charge and we'll have information about how to do that uh in january coming up pretty soon we'll list it on the events page on bartenderjourney.net um and as soon as we have links to uh how to how to book your ticket we'll certainly put that up there i feel like my voice is a little raspy today i should have made a tea or something before i started recording whiskey no that doesn't help your voice that makes it worse well we'll see 
Uh, okay, so uh, let's get into it. Like I said, we uh, started the day at Swift Tiberian Lounge. Move over to Mrs. Lily's. I'm here with Ben Jones, and uh, tell us about your your brand. It's delicious, uh, delicious stuff. Yeah, we're super excited. Um, December fifth, uh, we're launching Jam Shrub. Uh, rum Jam is a distillery in Martinique making rum agricole, northern part of Martinique, right at the foot of the volcano Montpellier. And it's a very, very small artisanal uh, agricole rum distillery. Uh, the plantation was founded in 1790 and they switched over to full rum production in 1845. They're literally one of the first pioneers of making rum agricole. Rum agricole means that we're growing sugarcane and crushing it and distilling and producing, crafting rum directly from fresh pressed cane juice rather than That's from uh, molasses. molasses right. But um, tonight we're, we're here for the jam shrub. Um, shrub is very, very popular throughout the French Caribbean. Uh, it's a liqueur as, a, uh, as people see it, um, but traditionally um, in heritage, in the French Caribbean, it's a, it's a very, very, very popular tradition that you see in Martinique and in Guadeloupe and throughout the French Caribbean around the holidays, around Christmas time. So we felt that this was the best, uh, most appropriate time to uh, introduce it to, to New York. Nice. Um, it's really gonna be a, a, a full-scale launch next year in 2017, but we wanna take, a, take the opportunity, take the occasion, now that we're just into December. This is where Shrub in Martinique becomes really, really popular. Um, to just to try to replicate that experience a little bit in New York and try to help um, to show a little bit of how we do what we do and enjoy our experiences in, in Martinique. Nice. So w when we think about shrubs, we usually think about a, um, you know, a fruit steeped with vinegar. And, uh, you know, so this is something quite different from that. Yeah. Uh, yes and, and no. It's the same principle. It's the same concept. Uh, <clears throat> shrub came over uh, during the colonization of the Caribbean. Uh, and particularly the French Caribbean uh, in this in this way, shape, and form. However, as we don't have grapes and grain and barley, we're not able to really make so much vinegar. Um, so instead of the vinegar, the rum is the preservative. And the vinegar, in, in the way that you've referenced shrub, is is a preservative to preserve the, the qualities and the character of whatever fruit you're using. And typically that's in stone fruit. Again, we don't have stone fruit in the Caribbean. Um, so the real, uh, the real tradition of what's happening is really based around the uh, what we have as far as our native produce in Martinique. So at this time in the fall is when you see a lot of the citrus is being harvested and whatever would be left over, whatever is not gonna be consumed would then be preserved into high proof rum. And then now you have a steep macerated high proof rum with orange and they would take that, I'm going back a couple hundred years now, but <clears throat> they would, they would take that and make a cocktail. And that cocktail was called shrub. And to make that cocktail, it would be that rum with all of the fruit and all of the, the benefits of that fruit would be steeped into the, to the rum. And then they would take that rum and make a cocktail with it by adding some spices and usually some sugarcane syrup. And then that is called shrub as a cocktail. And that would be usually consumed either by a shot or sipping after dinner. Depending on the occasion, you see shrub very, it's very popular around weddings and receptions and big gatherings, typically around the holidays. And then it's very, very popular throughout Carnival, right after the holidays. Uh, so it's more of a seasonal product in um, in the French Caribbean. Uh, but it seems <clears throat> versatile to me. I mean, I mean, it, you could definitely use this in a margarita or any any sort of uh, 
recipe that calls for an orange liqueur, this would work great. And that's exactly how we see it. We have a little of experience with that already um, because it's, it's quite different here in the United States, at least in uh, my expectations would be, um, because as I said, locally in Martinique, people drink it neat after dinner and a snifter or they, or they will um, you know, have a shot to, to toast carnival or whatnot. And as we've been introducing the JM Shrub as a rum-based orange liqueur, uh, orange liqueur is so big, so popular, very huge in, yeah, yeah. in the U.S. And as we start to talk about what it is, uh, the first thing that happens is people grab brandy or rum and make a sidecar, or they yeah. grab a bottle of tequila and make a margarita with it, yeah. or you can uh, use it with gin to make a pegu club, or very, very popular in champagne-style cocktails. Um, I've seen everything. I'd, I'd love to make a margarita with this. Yeah. It'd be delicious. Tonight uh, at the party, they've got two cocktails that they're um, that they're focused on: uh, a stirred cocktail and then a cocktail on the rocks. And so it really shows the versatility. Uh, they're both rum-based, but you know we've seen it everywhere from you know a lemon drop style cocktail to a to a cosmopolitan style cocktail to a champagne cocktail. And I've seen it mixed with sherry and and pisco and and brandies and and whatnot. It's it's really versatile. I think that the greatest benefit behind it is the fact that it's agricultural rum based and so the fact that it's from a plant vegetal distillate really allows it, it as a product the shrub orange liqueur to be mixed easier with other distilled spirits because it's really very soft um, and it works really well with agave particularly just because the agave and the sugarcane are both vegetal distillates and really growing on the same latitude and really you know, while we have the sugarcane syrup there, it doesn't mask anything in the product of the of the rum and the spices and the orange is very bright, very brilliant. And then it's not hot and it and it doesn't. It's not. I mean, it's sweeter, but it's not unctuous. And so it's, it's allow it allows itself to blend with other ingredients, whether they're other spirits or liqueurs or or, or, or what have you. I, I like. I mean, you really get a sense of the orange zest, the the oils from the orange. And uh, I love that, you know, I love that. And and it cuts through, in this cocktail we're drinking right now, really get that, that orange zest flavor. Yeah, I have the khaki wonderful. suit. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, the khaki suit with um, Guyanese rum and some Genepe and Aperol and bitter. I mean, like, that, that's a that's a really, uh, really cool, well-constructed cocktail. And, you know. So do you prefer that style of rum, a, a um, rum Aperol over uh, one produced with molasses? Well, no, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I do, but that's really because I have probably the most frequency and, and uh, I'm just, I, I, it's just something that's it's easy for me. But honestly, uh, I really appreciate and enjoy all rums of all types. And, uh, and I would say now that I'm really working in this industry for about 12 or 13 years now, I've taken it upon myself to really appreciate, enjoy, and try as many rums as I can from all different types. And, and I've really... And I'm not there yet. I'm still a student, but I'm now being able to like really zero in on rums from certain countries or from certain regions or from certain production styles that I will prefer other over others. Agricole being one of them, but I'm a I'm a lover of rums of all different kinds. For me, I don't like anything too too sweet. So uh, you have great great rums of all different types and and great rums for all different types of people. I think we are at a bursting, jumping-off point for the whole rum industry because I think that the United States is a well, a big country with a lot of people, and uh, they drink more rum than any other country in the world, and right. and uh, well, by far. But at the end of the day, most people only really only know two or three brands, even though so much rum is consumed. 
I think we're really now at the infancy of how we're going to see Rome really explode because now people are very interested, they're very curious, they're doing their, their research, they're going online, they're researching, you know, they're looking, they're, they're turning to bartenders and bartenders are influencing them with the cocktails they're making or whatever experience that they've had. And now you're starting to see people, I mean, for me, if I can speak biased, people are now really starting to appreciate rum alcohol and Martinique and understand how we make the rum and how it's a little different than what other rums that they may be familiar with. And then, and it's not just with our rum. I mean, now people start to see uh, what Denver rum is all about and Jamaican rum is all about and Bayesian rum and Central American rum. And, and now, you know, we're expecting that Cuban rum is going to come to the United States in the next year, two years, three years. They're certainly knocking on the door. And I think all of this is great for, for everybody, for the consumer and, and for us as a, you know, as a rum brand who's also trying to penetrate the market because everyone's keenly interested. There's a lot of noise, there's a lot of buzz. People are trying, they're, they're, they're going to the, uh, a plate. We're at Miss Lily's today and fantastic selection of rum and talking to the bartenders. The bartender told me this afternoon that people come in often and they'll try a, a little taste of this, a little taste of that, and, and they're educating themselves. So I really feel like we're at the cusp of something great in all of rum. It is, it is great. It's, it's such an exciting time to be in this business. On the other hand, it's crazy to think that, you know, rum's been around for so long and it's really shaped our history quite a bit, you know, and uh, it's, it's been part of American culture and, and many other cultures for many, many, many years. And uh, but as you say, we're, we're on the cusp of a of a, a new a new breakout for rum. America was built on rum and molasses and sugar and, yeah. you know, open up an American history book and you can read all about that. Yeah. Um, I think that. A little bit of what happened with, you know, the temperance movement certainly um, stunted its growth a little bit. And, and the fact is people went west and, uh, and started, you know, harvesting, cultivating d several different grains and starting to make whiskey and, and uh, you know, just getting the product from the Caribbean up here, you know, was another obstacle where making the whiskey right across the Appalachians was a little bit easier. And, you know... We, History has thrown up enough speed bumps, but I think now we're, we're there. I really do. And, uh, you know, I think that people are looking for better. You know, people are drinking less, but they're drinking better. And you've seen that happen already with different types of whiskeys and certainly with the, the agave spirits, with tequilas and mezcals and whatnot. And, and now, you know, rum is almost like too big to fail. Well, man, this is such a pleasure. Thanks for putting on this event. And yeah, no uh, it's great to meet it. you, man. Yeah, and, thanks for having uh, me. Fantastic. Cheers, yeah. man. Cheers. Well, that was fun, and they made some nice cocktails, and uh, it was an interesting new product. From there, we moved on down to Dead Rabbit, and Rebecca Dooley explains this event to us. So this is Tennessee Calling. Uh, it's a competition that was launched by Jack Daniels in the UK. It was open to Scottish bartenders, so they had over 100 entries. The people who made the final 10 were visited in person by the judges and a, a, a top three were chosen, who are the people who are bartending with us tonight. So that prize was to come to Deb Rabbit and bartend, and tomorrow they go to Tennessee. They have the uh, Jack Daniels distillery experience. Yeah, how long will they be there? Oh, I think they're there for like three days. They've been in New York for uh, a couple of days as well, so they've been going to all the bars. They were at Deb Rabbit last night and Blacktail. They've been to Nomad, Employees Only, Suffolk Arms. Nice. Yeah, so they're getting a good, uh, good experience. Very cool. Yeah. So how, um, and, and this is through London Sessions as well, yeah? Yeah, so it was yeah. launched at uh, the Glasgow Sessions, okay. which is the first London session we've done outside of New York or London. 
um, and they were tasked with creating a drink that was inspired by the session. Uh -huh. yeah. I, so Ryan here, one of the contestants, was telling me that um, Jack Daniels is actually pretty popular in Scotland, which I was surprised to hear that. Why are you surprised? I don't know. I just thought they would drink scotch all the time and oh, I see. say, I see what you, I say see what fuck you that mean. American whiskey. Well, I mean, yeah, that's what we say at Deb Rabbit. No, we don't say that at Deb Rabbit. We love, <laughs> we love whiskey of all kinds. <laughs> yeah, it's our stance. But um, no, Jack Daniels is a cool brand. It's very dynamic. It's very young. Um, I think they consistently do cool stuff. So it's, uh, it's a fun opportunity to be involved in well, this. They, they've launched a lot of cool stuff they recently. They have, yeah. They do a lot. They the do single, Jack's single, yes. single barrel and a rye now. And yeah, exactly. Very cool stuff. Yeah. At, They're uh, an awesome company. At Bar Institute in, in Baltimore was the first chance I had to try the um, the rye and the single barrel. Oh, wow. yeah? Woo. Blown yeah, away. We, Great wow. stuff. I'll, I'll have to get Nidal to give me some. So, wow. I'm so excited for you. Like, Thank yeah, you. This was like your goal, and now this here you are. This was my goal, and here I am. Yeah, it's so amazing. So it's it just, is. There's a lot of opportunities for us now, right, in the industry. 100%. You know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah. We, the, we, we talk about, like, how you have to kind of make your own luck. You know, through social media and things, you can brand yourself. Absolutely. And yeah, absolutely. make it happen for yourself. Yeah, I believe fully in that. Uh, you need to have determination. Um, I mean, people would kind of take the piss out of me because I would always put my events on Facebook and be like, come to this, come to this, come to this, like 20 times, but I don't care. Like, I guess, I, for me, I just think you really need to, if you want something, you really need to push it. Right. That's it. It doesn't matter. Just, yeah, you just don't stop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, cheers to you, Rebecca. Thank you so much. Thanks for talking. Yeah, always a pleasure to see you. Oh, and you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Let's go talk to those bartenders that won this competition. Yeah, sure. So my name's Grant Murray. I'm from Inverness. And the drink I'm created for this competition was called The Usual. Sorry about that. And it's based on a drink that I used to enjoy before I was a bartender. Uh, I used to drink a Jack and Coke, a Jack and Cherry Coke to be specific, because uh, I was kind of fussy about flavor even back then. Um, and it's the drink I was drinking when I decided to pack in what I was doing and focus on bartending full time. So when tasked by Jack Daniels to create a drink that showcased Jack Daniels and told a story, it was easy to decide that what I was going to base that on, on recreating those flavors and kind of that memory of that time. So I see it's a stir drink. Does it, does it have any uh, fizziness to it or no? Does it have any uh, carbonation to it like a Jack and Coke or no? No, no, not at all. Um, it's, it's got all the flavors reminiscent of a Jack and Coke without the uh, carbonation. And so I, I find it kind of a hybrid between a Jack and Coke an old-fashioned in a Manhattan. Um, it's got Jack Daniels, it's got a Martini Ambrato vermouth, which is kind of kind of sweet, kind of oaky, and really brings out the earthy notes in Jack Daniels. And then I've got an orange infusion to that as well, which is gonna add complexity and bring a warming citrus to it all. And then you've got a cherry balsamic and coke reduction shrub. Which so the cherry element is going to bring really rich dark fruit flavors, plays well with the spices of Jack Daniels. Then you've got the coke reduction, which is going to restore balance to the shrub because the shrub's really tart. The vinegar's really tart, and then the coke reduction just restores balance, gives a real caramel sweetness to it all. Can you make me one? <laughs> Keiko, like cake with an O. <laughs> you want to tell me about your drink? Sure. Um, so I created a drink uh, based around sustainability within bars, uh, utilizing ingredients or things that might be thrown in the bin, uh, but that still hold so much potential for flavor and such. Um, and I looked to the Jack Rose um, as my inspiration. Um, 
and I created a grenadine, um, which is based on oxidized red wine, um, the syrup that's left over from our maraschino cherries, and the pickling vinegar from my sister bar's beetroot. Uh, adding in some pomegranate, some sugar, and some carob molasses. Um, and then I also made a lime oleosaccharum, because we never use lime twists, and we just throw them in the bin, and they have a lot to give. Um, and then, um, when I was looking at other things that we throw away, um, napkins. We throw away so many every day. The bill is constantly full of them. Um, so I collected them all, all these used ones, and I mushed them up and I created these guys, um, which are little coasters, um, so made from old bevnaps, but I've put seeds and rose petals through them, so they will completely break down and you can plant them in your garden and you'll grow some flowers. Um, so there's rose seeds, beetroot, poppy and basil in there. Um, so when you've had your drink, you can put this in your pocket and you can plant some flowers. I love that. That's fabulous. Amazing. Can I get you a drink? I would love one. Awesome. You know, I want to ask you about oleosaccharum because I, I love making oleosaccharum, but I, I tried to make it with lime one time and it just didn't come out, you know, that well. And I, I've done it with grapefruit, which is fabulous. La, le, la, uh, lemon, of course, but I tried it with lime and it didn't work that well. How, how, did you do anything differently? Um, so I, I created the lime oleosaccharum using just the peels. Um, and then I added a wee bit of citric acid because you had a lot of flavor, but not a lot of acidity. And I really wanted it to be in the place of uh, fresh citrus. Um, so yeah, a little bit of uh, citric acid goes a long way. Um, and it still tastes very fresh and limey, but really has that, that punch that you need. So why the sustainability issue is, is really cool that um, bartenders are, are paying attention to that now. But not everyone else is. Not, I mean, not not all of us are. <laughs> but but I know in my bar we throw away a ton of stuff, and it's a shame. It's a shame. It is. I mean, I was actually inspired. So we had the Glasgow sessions um, where we had Jeff Arnott, the master distiller at Jack Daniels, talk to us, and it was one thing he said. He was talking about how um, Jack Daniels is one of the uh, greenest beverage uh, producers in the states. Um, and that less than 1% of their waste goes to landfill. Um, so they repurpose their barrels and sell them on to Scotch whiskey producers. Um, the, the charcoal that the whiskey is mellowed through is sold into um, for home barbecue use and stuff like that. So it's very entrepreneurial of them to find uses and sell them on and stuff. And I was really inspired by that. Uh, yeah, there are financial reasons to repurpose your stuff, like. I mean, it's good for the bar, it's good for the world, uh, so why not do it? I feel like everyone should be putting more of a focus on it. Well, thank you so much for talking, and I can't wait to try this. I have to take a picture of it before I drink it. You're very welcome. Thank you so much. It was lovely to meet you. Same here. Cheers. That was awesome. I love that she takes her uh, cocktail napkins mashes them up, makes coasters out of them, adds seeds to them, and invites you to take them home and plant them in your garden. How sweet is that? It's so cool that sustainability is becoming a really important issue in our industry, and uh, it has financial implications as well, and I'm going to do my best to implement that in my bar as well. Hey, cheers. Thanks for listening. If you're listening uh, sort of in real time, happy holidays to you. If you're listening after the fact, I hope your holidays were amazing. Cheers. We'll talk to you next time on the Bartender Journey Podcast.